0: Hello, welcome to the Axiom podcast. I'm your host today, Devin Dash, and I'm here with Joey Brennan. Hey, Devin, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Joey. How are you doing? I'm great. It's been a
1: really fun day so far.
0: That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I have enjoyed the day as well, and I'm excited because the family and I are going to get together this weekend and go away. We're always oh, together that's right. on You've had the, the weekend. You have a trip this weekend. That's fun. But we're we'll be heading up to Gainesville, so we're we're very excited about that see some family. But enough about us. Um Today, we are continuing our series talking about succession, and specifically, we're talking about answering the question, can the family survive working together? So,
1: Yeah, or not kill each other. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we're going to hopefully provide you with a lot of great feedback and tips and guidance on how to make sure that you don't kill each other as you work with the second, first and second generation of the transition from first to second generation in the business. Let's kick it off by talking about, I think, the most important thing when it comes to any relationship and making sure that expectations don't turn into resentments and conflict. And that's boundaries. Boundaries are essential for all relationships. I I can't remember the name of the the author, but... Dr. Henry Cloud. Henry Cloud wrote a great book called Boundaries. Boundaries, So we can put that in the show notes if you haven't had a chance to read it yet. But why is setting boundaries important for families to do when it comes to succession?
1: Well, I can speak. Um, I won't divulge any client names. <laughs> I'll speak from personal experience. I'll divulge my dad's name because I, <laughs> I was an employee for my dad. I worked for him for four years uh, right out of school. And, you know, I had I had this propensity that I think a lot of second generation kids have going to work for parents. And I had a gift, right? And my gift was telling my dad everything that was wrong with his business and all the ways that he was screwing things up and all the things we should be doing differently. You know, I look back on that now and realize just how patient and gracious and loving my father was. Cause I, I, w- I can imagine I was pretty hard to take it. Sometimes, you know, we have this value of truth. I was probably living out the value of truth and not the value of care a lot oh, back okay. then. <laughs> right. So, but I have heard other business owners relay very similar sentiments right, about their their children working in the business, their adult children working in the business, Mm -hmm. who are smart, who are bright, who are accomplished, who are well-meaning, but nevertheless are wearing mom and dad out by constantly bringing to the forefront issues, problems, suggestions, concerns. And they're doing it at times that are very frustrating for mom and dad, uh, frustrating for a couple of reasons. One, because it's not the place, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm here to watch my grandson play soccer. I'm not here to talk about the business. We're here to have Thanksgiving dinner together. We're not here to solve business problems or it's Saturday. I don't want to talk about that today, right? And, and it can get frustrating mm. for that reason, but it also can get frustrating because they, that mom and dad may recognize that these are important issues but they're not the most important issues, right? And so it's they, they recognize the damage that's being done by not pursuing these well-meaning ideas. At the same time, they're frustrated that that second generation can't see there are bigger fish to fry right now. Yes, that's a huge fish, but right now right. there's even bigger fish. And so if that describes the situation you're in or – if you are on the, the, the giving end of that and you are a second generation and you're frustrated, maybe today we'll give you some insight into why that frustration and what you can do to to curb it.
0: Yeah, and this doesn't happen just in conversations with in, in family businesses where, where second, first and second generation are having conversations about the business. We, we actually do this sometimes where we get brainstorming about a topic, right? And the boundary for us just talking about business is, What's actionable out of this conversation mm. or okay like how do we demonstrate extreme ownership and what can we do to drive progress on this particular topic that we're yeah. brainstorming about That's right? a really
1: you're a really good point this is not limited to the fathers and daughters or or moms and sons
0: well and we we often encourage clients to do one-on-ones with their you know leaders in businesses to do one-on-ones with their direct reports right and it, the same theme boundaries that boundary of a set time recurring on the calendar with no end date where you're asking your people how are you doing and what do you need for me to be more f- effective and fulfilled in your work you're you're eliminating the ability or the the possibility that things will not get the time that they they deserve right, right. and that's the whole point of these boundaries is you you know your point if son or daughter is constantly coming to mom or dad with issues about the business there's never going to be a time if you don't have proper boundaries to pause and go, okay, what do we do about that? Like what's actionable out of this conversation so that we can actually give that pain point the time it deserves. So great, great, at, great reason for boundaries, not just in regards to conversations about business planning, but even just anytime you're in a conversation with another, you know, a peer or a direct report to make sure that that you have time for the, the conversation topics.
1: Yeah. So when we talk about the, the way in which we can understand or communicate to that second generation, what's important or how they can know what's most important, one of the things that we would point to, that, or that I would say is a great benefit, right? Is that you're at a huge advantage if you have a plan for the business, right? Mm-hmm. If there's a strategic plan, and I'll use the Axiom's strategic plan model for illustration. But if if we're looking at that plan and let's say that the expectation is that everybody knows the plan, right? Certainly the son or daughter of the business owner should know the plan, but everybody, every employee in the company should know the plan. And that plan really communicates what's important or should communicate what's important. Certainly if we build it with the client, an Axiom client, it's going to cover some, some well-worn bases. Number one, the values the vision, the purpose, or the, or the why statement, and the mission; those are kind of permanent. Those are always important. Those, those are in essence most important, mm-hmm. right? So anything that has to do with those, like if if the second generation comes to me and says, oh, "We got a real values issue here, man," I'm I'm stop everything. You know, I might put the newspaper down, or you know, or or, or lower the fork at the Thanksgiving table. and Be like, "What are you talking about?" Right. I still think you're absolutely right. There needs to be a better venue for that. But my point is that values, vision, purpose, mission, those are always important. There's always room to talk about those. Then next in line would be strategies. Strategies are the things, usually a primary and maybe a secondary strategy that are, in essence, our way to put the blinders on. It's a way for us to focus the efforts of the team. All of our work as a leadership team is kind of limited and constrained to this primary area and possibly a secondary area. And we're going to, those are going to be important for the next two to three years, possibly. Then we get to goals. Goals are things that we've said, this is what we're trying to accomplish this year. It's important in all year, right? right. So that's, that's pretty important. Then you get to priorities. Priorities are our most important 90-day projects. And then we get down to things like tasks, that's stuff that I'm expected to get done today or this week, right? So when you've got that, that structure of a plan, it's very easy when having those conversations or when those things get brought up, it's easy for the second generation possibly to kind of measure them against the plan yep. and even recognize whether they should be brought up or easy for the first generation to point back to the plan and say, I hear you, I, I get that. Unfortunately, right now, that's not the thing that everybody's focused on. And I'm not saying it's not something that we shouldn't focus on. Right. But for the time, these are the things that are are
0: most important. And so, you know, we were talking before the show and that having the plan in this case that outlines those things that are important is because I, I think you would agree. And if you don't, I, I'm open to that discussion. I totally disagree. <laughs> We don't, I, I would say, and we've talked about this in prior episodes, we don't want to ever squash or, or put out the fire yeah. in you're the talking second about, generation.
1: Well, you're talking about engagement, right? right? We do culture surveys and their sole purpose is to measure what? Engagement, right? right? And so you're absolutely right. The last thing in the world you want to do is quash engagement. Right. They may not be engaged the way you would desire them, but they're engaged. And I'll take
0: engagement. All day. Exactly. And so it it keeps the opportunity for engagement. You know, you can always fan that flame of engagement, but it also empowers them by showing them where they can contribute. Yeah. Right. So that those ideas, that energy isn't wasted on something that may, may very well be important, but not right, not the right time. Right. So. Yeah. And that's, that is one of the frustrations that
1: we hear often is "Hey, My son has a million great ideas Mm -hmm. and he's pissed. Then we can 't get them all done and and I would love to, but there's not enough money there's not enough time there's not enough people you know there's not enough business out there for us to make that idea work it's a great idea, but it just isn't feasible and you know their their recourse without a plan to point the second generation to the recourse is to just try to let them down as easy as possible, right. right. But you can try to let somebody down as easy as possible. But the 13th time that you let them down as easy as possible, you may find that they don't come back a 14th time. Yeah. So to your point, it's much better. So rather than reactively respond to their ideas, you know, by pointing to the plan, being, oh, that doesn't fit out. How much better would it be to sit down with them with the plan yep. and say, tell you what, you know, values, vision, why purpose, those are always important. Right? those are never going to stop being important. So anything that you you any ideas you have about how to engage people more in those, any areas where you see where we're missing the boat, look, we can always talk about that. That's always going to be important. The next thing, if I could get you to put your thinking cap on, Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Pay attention for opportunities that we have in this primary strategy, right? So let's say that it's retention, right? Mm -hmm. That's an easy one for a lot of people to understand. We want to make sure we hold on to our customers for as long as possible. And, you know, that is our primary strategy. I need you thinking as you're out there in the field, as you're in your department, as you're supervising your folks, I want you thinking about how can we improve retention? How can we lose fewer clients? And it could be that that individual, that that son or daughter, has nothing to do with the operation side or the service side or things that would traditionally be expected to be primarily involved in holding on to customers and delivering a great customer experience. Right. They might be in sales or they might be in finance or they might be in some disjointed area of operations, maybe they're involved in the B2B side. And what you're really talking about is B2C retention. Mm-hmm. But if you enlist them and you say, this is, what, this is what's really important, they're going to come back. And the thing that we're talking about, typically the frustration that the business owners have, it stems from the thing that can also be a huge advantage, a huge strength. And it is that kind of, that youthful engagement, enthusiasm, ambition—they literally see like the next twenty to thirty years of their life playing out, right? And they see what's in it for them, right? So, and they're like, "Okay, I, I love it." I'll think about retention. Is that what you want to see? Okay, I got ten ideas for you. I'll have them to you tomorrow. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> let's schedule some time to give it the, the time it deserves. Yeah. But if you can plug them into the strategies, I think not. You won't be frustrated anymore. You'll probably be excited. The two of you be very excited about the
0: things that are coming back to you. Yeah. So, we have if they have the plan, they they we kind of set the boundaries and we know where where they can contribute. Let's go back to that thing you alluded to earlier, which is right. The boundaries can help prevent conversations from happening at Thanksgiving dinner. But let's talk more proactively about where where and when to talk about these things. What are the venues? that that these conversations can happen in. Well,
1: with respect to all of these things, essentially what we're saying with respect to all these suggestions is they should have some bearing on the plan, right? Where can we plug them in? We can plug them in most quickly and they can have the biggest impact to the extent they're consistent with the, the direction we're already going, what's already in the plan, right? So if that's the case, what is their normal routine? What is their normal rhythm for interacting with the execution of the plan, and you know, just to give people listening some insight that aren't clients, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're working under the axiom framework to execute a strategic plan, there's a leadership team meeting that happens every week at a set, you know, time, set day and time, every, at the same time every week, and during that hour and a half to two hours, your team is working on the execution of the plan using a set agenda. Right. So if the child is on the leadership team that's a gimme right there that's the time to talk about this that's the time to bring these tactics suggestions in or insights or things like that if they're not on the leadership team, ideally an organization that has that kind of plan those those rhythms should be cascading down so maybe they're not on the leadership team but they're supervisors on the leadership team and that supervisor should be sitting down with that team once a week and going through a similar agenda that is bent around the execution of the strategic plan. And if that's the case, that's where these ideas should be brought to bear. If that's happening and it should be happening, if it's not happening, it needs to be happening. Otherwise you're kind of stuck, right? You're, you're saying here's the plan, but nobody in the organization is working to execute the plan. Sooner or later, the second generation is going to say, hey, dad, you're full of crap, right? Right. (laughs) Like this is great on paper, but nobody's really working on it in the business. So that has to be happening. If they're on the leadership team, it's happening. It's easy to point them to that date and time. If they're on a, a lower tier team and that's happening, it's easier to point them to that date and time. If that's happening... What's really interesting is now the conversations between Gen 2 and Gen 1, Mm -hmm. between father and son, so to speak, in this situation, are less about the tactics and more about the soft skills of getting those things executed. So let's say that the, the son, for instance, is on one of those teams with a manager who's on the leadership team. So the son is kind of one step removed from the team that you and I would be meeting with. And let's say that they're having this conversation and the son is frustrated that this, that, or the other thing isn't getting done. And the parent can say, well, have you talked to your leader about this? What was their response? Did you give them enough information? Did you anticipate the issues? Have you tried to see their point? Is there any data that you can bring to this that would help them understand it? And the whole time... The parent is reinforcing kind of the organizational structure that's necessary to to have good leaders responsible for the success of the teams. But they're also building this soft skill set that's going to be necessary for the second generation to be successful wherever they're at in the organization and as they lead up to the next. Because even when you get to the point where you've got the corner office, and you can just say jump and everybody else is supposed to say how high, you realize it takes a lot of soft skills to actually get them to jump. And it's much better if they come in and say, hey, we'd like to jump. And you go, oh, great. How high would you like to jump? And they're this high. So, How can I help you get higher? <laughs> exactly. So I think the, the point is that being able, if you've got those structures in place where people are working on execution, then that second generation knows exactly when and where they should be bringing these things up. And it allows the parent to then play more of a coaching role instead of having to just be a deflector of of all the ideas that we don't have time to execute. And and I would say, you know, intentionality. We talk a ton about intentionality. It's it's one thing to say, you know, those coaching, those conversations can be more about coaching and building soft skills. If that's your desire, put it on your calendar. Be intentional about it. Say, I mean, I if I've got three kids. Cameron and I were joking earlier. You know, he was saying, when is Annalise going to be ready to take over Axiom? (laughs) She's the seven-year-old, right? And it'd be great if the kids came to work, you know, in the business at some point. If that happened, I would be like, hey, let's have breakfast every Friday morning and talk about business. Like that's what we're there. We're there to talk about. I want to give you a chance to ask me questions, to talk to me about things you see going on. And that's my chance to coach you. I might not. I might, I'm probably not going. I'm definitely not going to be supervising you. Right, Devin's going to be supervising you. Right, when Devin. Thank you. I, I really take that. I'm honored. If to you it. want to raise, go Sorry, talk Cameron. to Devin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my job is to support you, encourage you, you know, provide insight if I can, and I'm going to be in this booth at eight a.m. every Friday morning. And if you're intentional about it, it it has a good chance of happening.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the final kind of the component of all this, and, and really ways that you can make sure the family survives working together. And and I'm I want to tee this up because there's there's always the possibility, right? I think as as kids, you mentioned this in the opening kind of scenario where you told your dad everything that's wrong with the business, and and as kind of in line with the same idea, of we want that engagement. We want our children to to be plugged in and, and we want them to have that fire and making the business everything that we've set it out, you know, set it to be or said it's going to be in the strategic plan. But you, we always run, I mean, I'm just going to say we're human, right? And not, not to say that's an excuse for making mistakes, but we do make mistakes and we, we fall off track sometimes and we get out of line. And so there's a piece of this where if you want to make sure that you survive, can survive working together, Mom and dad, like we have to model accountability, right? Because yes, there's going to be times when our, our son or daughter, or the second generation goes, mom, dad, like you, you tell me do as I say, not as I do. Uh-huh. And you're not doing what you told me to do. So we want to model that accountability and talk, let's talk more about that because that comes with the plan. Mom and yeah. dad are accountable to the plan. Yeah, it's it's kind of coming back full circle to how we started talking about this with boundaries.
1: And it's it's fantastic. I mean, the ideal situation is where Gen 2 can learn by seeing it modeled for them. Oh, you know what? Mom and dad have boundaries too. Yeah. Mom and dad are accountable to the values of the organization. Mom and dad are accountable to the vision. You know, you and I have both experienced specific client scenarios where it was obvious to us that the business owner wasn't moving forward and wasn't executing because they were tired of being held accountable to the vision. It yep. was getting hard, right? It used to be easy, now it's hard. I kind of like it when it's easier. This this would be a little bit easier if I just treated it like a supplement to my lifestyle. But if a if Gen 2 sees mom and dad working through the hard things and and maybe having to you know, sacrifice a little bit of that freedom they thought was going to come earlier because the vision requires that they go all in at a certain point in time. Mm -hmm. They start to learn what accountability, what does it look like to hold myself accountable to a higher standard than I expect of everybody else? And that standard is in writing for everybody to see and it doesn't vary, Right. right? It is consistent and my accountability to it is consistent. You know, we're human and we're going to falter, but I don't change the standard when things get difficult. And I think there's a ton of value in kids realizing that the reason that, you know, I used to think when I was, I used to think my dad could just decide to do whatever he wanted to do. And there were some things that he was constrained by like resources and time, but there were other things that he was constrained by, which were values and, and a certain way he wanted the business to operate. Mm -hmm. You know, we, he, my dad could have made a lot more money if He didn't, you know, he had this policy basically against charging widows anything. And a lot of the work that I did was for these little old ladies, you know, and, and, you know, some of them were sitting on sizable piles of money, (laughs) but my dad's, one of my dad's core values was around caring for widows and orphans, right? That was one of his mandates. And so it was good for me to see Now I didn't understand it, you know, and, and, it would have helped immensely if there would have been a plan laid out that right. he could have pointed me to and said, you, this is why we do this kind of work and why we don't try to make as much money as we can off of it. Because this is the way we're trying to build this. This is the vision I have for caring people. And the, more, the longer this firm is in existence, the more of these people we are going to be able to walk through this transition with. And that is my mission. My mission is to last as long as possible so I can shepherd as many people through this life transition as possible. Because when I quit, mm. there's not going to be anybody else around to help them. I can appreciate that now. I think I could have appreciated it 20 years ago had there been something he could point to.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I love the, the idea of having that in a plan because it would have been something easy to point back to right? This idea of mom and dad modeling accountability, it would have been easy for you to point back to that and say, Hey dad, uh, how come you charged the widow, but I'm not allowed to charge the widow. (laughs) So that's a hypothetical scenario, but it gets to this idea that having those, those things that, that hold us accountable set a great precedence for the future leadership role that they're going to step into. Right. And, and one of the, typical the kryptonite of every business owner and entrepreneur is the bright shiny object syndrome and we talked about this at the beginning with you know gen two that's got a lot of great ideas and they're fired up about pursuing all these tactics to make the business better well that's great they have the entrepreneur gene and they want to follow these bright shiny objects but when we have the plan and then mom and dad say no no this yes that's great but it's really not the strategy right now we're not going to go towards that and then us being modeling accountability to it is going to m- maybe curb the appetite of Gen two to say, yeah, let, let's just go do that because, well, it, yeah, mom and dad mm-hmm. had had a plan too, but they fall at every bright shiny object as well. It, it eliminates kind of the propensity for that to happen.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there's a an element of stewardship that is more. It's, so the thing about the idea of stewardship, stewardship is like, I'm caring for something that's not my own, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not just caring to preserve it. You know, I'm caring in the best sense, I'm caring to to multiply it so that it flourishes, right? And so when we talk about stewardship in a business, what does that look like? Well, you know, I, w- I want the business to flourish. I want the people in the business to flourish. I want the community around it to, mm-hmm. to flourish. I'm using one of your favorite. word. I'm using it sincerely though. It's, it's important that, that that second generation grab onto that. And when you're a steward of something that's not yours, it's usually readily apparent to the rest of the world that it's not yours. So if you think of somebody who's, you know, the, in biblical times, like the steward of the vineyard was the manager of the vineyard. Everybody knew that guy didn't own that vineyard, mm-hmm. right? And they knew that at the end of the day, the the profits and whatnot and the, the spoils of the vineyard didn't you know he definitely benefited. he's probably on some kind of performance comp plan, but you know it wasn't it wasn't all his and it wasn't his to sell and that kind of thing and I think there's elements of that in here when we put a plan together and you said like the the value of having an explicit plan, we lay bare to the world what is and what isn't ours, right? The plan is the business is operating according to the plan. the business is beholden to the plan in some sense, you might say the plan owns the business, right? It's up to when we're trying to figure out which way should the business go, left or right, we don't look to the owner and say, which way does the owner want it to go? We look to the plan which, and say, which way does the plan think it should go? Now, the owner definitely had input into the plan. right? Usually there's a mandate given from the owner that is the vision. But by making that transparent, you make the business beholden to, you make the owner beholden to something bigger than their own whims. Mm. I can't imagine a better precedent for a generation one to set for the, the generation behind them and to say, look, you're beholden to something that's bigger than you. This is not about you being able to drive the nicest car, have the bigger boat. You may get those things, right? I'm not mm. saying the profits are bad or the owners don't have a right to dividends out of the business, but it shouldn't be the thing that is the carrot that generation two continues to look forward to.
0: So just to recap everything we talked about today, you really—if you're listening, you're you're the business owner, or, or you know a business owner who has multiple generations in the business—you can survive mm-hmm. working together. You, you can, <laughs> You can. We <laughs> promise you. Uh, you, you just be be mindful to set those boundaries. Identify what's important by having a plan or something, you know, a core document that outlines what we're going to focus on. Point, which also, as we talked about, helps the. Uh, not just the other generations working in the business, but everybody, everybody in the business know where they can contribute. And then I think modeling putting in those those rhythms, if you don't have them, uh, the execution rhythms to talk about the plan, and where we have in those same meetings, you have the opportunity to model that accountability, which is so important to say, guys, this is more important than any one individual here. Very well said. All right, before we close this episode, I want to do another special segment. And this one is called Jam Session. (laughs) There's a series of recurring (laughs) special segments. So Joey, Jam Session is a segment where we figure out what you're listening to for music. So what's on your playlist right now? Oh, uh, I'll start by saying I'm not
1: a huge mu- music listener. Okay. You know, it's usually podcasts or audiobooks in the car, but at home, Josie's Colombian, you know, Latin families are huge into music. Yep. Annalise is a huge music fan, loves to dance to just about anything. So there's more music happening at home than in the car, but I had to look. So the last playlist that I downloaded was an Apple Music Essentials playlist John Mellencamp essential. I'll date myself by saying it. The John Cougar Mellencamp.
0: John that's Cougar it. Mellencamp.
1: Yeah. So, do you know, know who this guy is? No, He's I have no 80s, clue who he is. Eighties. Uh, I've probably heard some of his music. Yeah, Jack and Diane. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just a there's a ton on here.
0: Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah,
1: That was good. Yeah, it's good, good eighties rock. So, any John Cougar Mellencamp fans out there?
0: Leave a comment and like wherever you listen
1: to podcasts. Leave leave a review. There you go. We'll put a link in the show notes to John Cougar Mellencamp's Apple Essentials playlist.
0: Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.